Welcome, fellow anglers, to the Working Class Fishing Podcast, a place for all anglers, amateur or expert, to share their stories and learn about fishing. Join your hosts, John and Brian, each episode as they debunk the perceived inaccessibility to fishing, break down the barriers of any and all angling methods, and hear stories from other anglers and their own journeys with fishing. Now, let's get this show started. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian, and here is Mr. John Morris Esquire. I didn't give him a number tonight with our sponsors. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Uh, working Class Fishing. This episode is brought to you by CD Fishing USA, Angry Rooster Fly Company, 317 Flies, Sheer Cure, Naughty Tackle, Lid Rig, and Anadromous Fly Company. Go check them out. Yeah, make sure to check out all those awesome sponsors. There's a whole bunch of them, and they got a lot of great stuff. So tonight, we have our very special guest on with us. He has his own fly rod company. It's called Woof Rod Co. We have Dave Huff with us tonight, and uh, Dave is going to talk to us a little bit about what he's doing and everything else. So, Dave, I know you're down in the great state of Texas right now. I don't know how far away you are from John, but uh, we finally solved uh, some of Texas's uh, um technological breakdown issues and we're going to make this happen so thanks for being on here yeah man i appreciate it it's good to good to be on and i think as texas goes I, i'm pretty sure i'm probably just right down the road from john but that's like seven hours so yeah <laughs> <laughs> quite quite literally seven hours yeah yeah oh man well we've had this plan for quite a while and uh you know this uh as always, we always plan these out for quite a while, and it's uh, been kind of cool to check out what you got going on and everything else. But, uh, you know, just offhand, what are you doing down in Texas? Oh, man. So uh, full-time job, I build, design and build mountain bike trails, hiking trails, ATV trails, UTV trails. So we're uh, we're down here in the, uh, uh, the Spur, Texas area, uh, laying out a bunch of UTV trails. Um, and just trying to get that stuff knocked out but uh yeah traveling and you know post texas is where i'm at right now in the hotel room and the wi-fi sucks but we'll try to get through this so <laughs> <laughs> man Woo. well that's pretty cool uh so you're getting out there you're actually helping to build you know a trail trail networks and trail systems and stuff for like multi-use yeah, yeah, a little bit of everything, you know, from hiking trail to uh, a lot of mountain biking trails. That's like, I mean, that's our bread and butter, but um, do a ton of hiking trails and, you know, ATV, UTV stuff. So it's, it's cool, just multi-use stuff. So definitely cool. I like to, uh, this, this past year was a cool, um, you know, crossover thing for me. Um, I was helping the conservation board for my local fly fishing club um worked for like five or six years to get some trout stocked in a local creek and uh the hill to get up and down it's like really really steep and hard to get there you know um is a creek I grew up fishing as a kid and um I was able to kind of give back by uh going and building a pretty sick hiking trail from top to bottom make it a little easier to get in and out you know so um the fish stocking guys liked it because they're having to hike them in and out uh, so that made it a little better and it was cool to kind of do that crossover what I do for full-time work and my passion project which is the wolf rod company stuff so yeah that's super cool I was going to ask if you'd worked on any like trail improvements around any kind of fishing or anything like that but you just answered that question so that, <laughs> I mean that's awesome that's super cool yeah yeah it's been awesome man I uh definitely try to get involved in like any kind of stream mitigation um, conservation projects. There's another one in Kentucky. I've been trying to get my foot in the door on too. So, uh, anytime to create a little bit of more, better habitat for fish and, you know, clean up erosion issues and things. I, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we do full time. So works out cool. Absolutely. No, that's super cool. That's super. That, I, that, that's like some full circle shit, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, man. Like by the about the time my body's all done from building mountain bike trails, hopefully I'll be able to retire and just fly fish. So hopefully I won't be, you know, that's kind of my goal with this this company is to, you know, build it up slow and uh, you know, put a good product out there, not uh be a flash in the pan and 
I really want to, you know, end up later in life going, uh, doing it as a retirement thing, just, you know, doing it till I get old. So. Oh yeah, dude. I, that, that, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dave. So, uh, I actually heard about you from, uh, Chad Bauer and all those dudes. Yeah. And, um, uh, Chad specifically is like, if you want to do, that would be fun to talk to get Dave Huff on. So reached out to you and that was like forever ago. It feels like now, but yeah, I'm glad you're here, dude. Uh, yeah, man. I appreciate it. So I don't know shit about you though, dude. Like where are you from? Oh, uh, so Northern Kentucky, Petersburg, Kentucky is where I'm from. So no. not far from Cincinnati. Um, not far from Indiana. I'm kind of like in that tri-state little area. So super Northern Kentucky. Um, that's why I don't sound like I'm from Kentucky, but, uh, yeah, kind of get around all over the place, obviously with my, my work. Um, but, uh, met those guys through their podcasts, obviously. Um, one of my good buddies, Pogo had just been on and kind of the same thing. They're like, Hey, if you want somebody, you know, that's, I was like, just musky fishing crazy at that point. Like, I mean, fishing three or four times a week, you know? So, um, he's like, you should get, you guys should get a hold of Hoff. So I did and hit, did a couple of podcasts with those guys. And we, I mean, obviously we became good buddies since then. So, uh, I'm glad that, uh, glad they passed my name along. So, <laughs> um, Dude, I uh, I grew up like 15 minutes from Scottsville, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Which is like yeah. the most like super far south. <laughs> yeah. So my my wife's from Russellville. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's down in your from your neck of the woods for sure. So. But yeah, yeah man, it was... it's it's cool when you reached out because uh like I've always had like my my fly rod company like I always tell people it's like a blue collar worker like rod company like I don't want to ever have like $800 fly rods kind of thing um and I have such a deep background in like R&D prototyping engineering stuff like I kind of wanted to bring all that like try to like use those things to you know build something that a working man could buy and not just destroy the first time he went out fishing or just hate it you know so working yeah you guys fit the mold perfect so i was pumped <laughs> to be hell yeah dude so are you still musky crazy dude uh man i'll tell you what um i yeah i am i don't get to fish as much <laughs> as i used to so when i i mean the last few years i've been working full time like like full year round i used to just build trails from like march to november and then I took November to March off to like hunt and fish because those are like pretty much all the good hunting and fishing stuff for me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I got, you know, it just became to a point where I just couldn't fit it all into that schedule. I needed to keep going through the winter. So um, I still get out a few times. Like I built a new jet boat this year and I've taken it out like three times. It's kind of, kind of sad, but every time I go home, I just go started up just to make sure it's good so when i when i do like dude the last like four times i've been home i tried to go fishing and it's like either raining the whole time and the all the creeks are blown out or it's like negative 20 outside so i'm like like i can't catch a break on the fishing weather so whatever <laughs> so babe dude we kind of we know a little bit of what's going on with you now, but how'd you get started in fishing, man? Man, dude, I've fished my whole life. Like, grew up fishing. Like, my grandpa was, like, like old, but he just loved catfishing. Like, he didn't really care to catch anything else. Like, he just cane pole catfishing, you know, maybe some bluegill farm pond and stuff. But I just remember like even as a little kid like he had this little statue of him you know like it was we we thought we called it his statue but it wasn't actually him but he was you know <laughs> holding a fishing fishing pole with a fish hanging off of it you know and like he was just 
he always had his goofy Gilligan fishing hat and stuff when he'd go out fishing. So, um, yeah, I just kind of grew up fishing and I hadn't really tried fly fishing for a while. Um, I, uh, tried it a few times in like early two thousands, somewhere around there. Uh, and I kind of rekindled it in like 2000, I don't know, like 2008, something like that. And, uh, just kind of stuck with it, obviously got back into it. Um, trout fishing, what I was somewhere, I was down in actually down in Brevard, um, North Carolina and, uh, did some trout fishing there and hooked into some big brown trout. And I was like, holy crap, this is actually pretty sweet, you know? little different we don't have these in kentucky or at least where i was at so kind of just rekindled like uh a different way of fishing for me and uh it got me back into it because i was you know started doing you know went to high school and college and just trying to focus on being like i don't know an adult professional but it it's just not it's not for me. I, I, I'm too much of a play baby. I like being outside. I like hunting and fishing and just doing stupid shit. So, <laughs> oh, You most certainly can't uh, uh, fault that because I think all of us have a little bit of that in us, you know, or a lot of it in us, you know, you can't, uh, when, when you find something or return to something that you haven't done in a long time and you find that enjoyment out of it, I mean, you just, you can't beat it. it it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, I forgot how much fun this was. And yeah. you're able to go back and really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I agree, dude. Like uh, catching muskies and big, you know, striper and brown trout's awesome. But going, taking my nephews to a farm pond and catching a hundred bluegills, pretty freaking sweet oh, yeah. too. So, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's one of the funnest things is when you get to you know reshare that and and you get to see that excitement again. I think we all get excited, even though. You know, a lot of people are like, well, that's a little fish, you know, and all that. But for that kid in that moment or that person that's never fished before, just resharing that, you get that experience out of it. That's so much fun. And, and uh, you know, you can't beat that at all. It, it's like you get excited like a kid again when you see the kids get excited. It's just super cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When the fish are biting, it don't matter how big they are. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't, dude. Like, I'll, I'll catch anything with lips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. You know, you go dangle any kind of bait out there and, and you know, I, I could care less, you know, I, you want to go target this species, but your, your rod gets bent. Yeah. You got, you had a good day fishing, yeah. you know, especially and when I'm, it's a slow time of year. Dude, I'm not one of those fly fishing purist guys either. Like I'm, I mean, if I'm out, if I'm out in Matagorda Bay chasing redfish and it's 40 mile an hour winds blowing, I'm picking up that spinning rod. Yeah. So. <laughs> No, Especially no. this time, this, this day and age, man, with the limited amount of time I get to fish, it's kind of, I mean, we all prefer to catch them on a fly, but sometimes it's just not the, not the tool for the job. So it, dude, and that's, you know, I, uh, I'm pretty much like live or die by the fly, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of days I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? I know there's, I know there's fish in there and I know I can go through a net rig and I can go pull every one of them out. Yeah. Easy. Have fun. Have a blast. Yeah. Nope. I just, I just want to suffer, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I, I will say like with like musky and stuff like that, like I'm pretty much fly only. I went through the whole gear phase and bought all the lures and the big rods and stuff, but I just really enjoy chucking big flies. I just do. I like how they swim. I like, I like building them, you know, like tying a good fly and fishing it. Like that's one of the, probably the only species that I'm uh, I would say I'm a diehard fly or die guy in the, in the ESOX predator world for sure. Hell yeah. So how did, I mean, shit, how did Wolf Rod Company come about? So I was basically, I got into fly fishing uh, for muskies, and at that time, they had there really wasn't a lot of fly rods out there for muskies. Like people were slapping logos on saltwater rods and calling them musky rods, but like 
I started, I started doing development and started my business in 2016. And at that time there was like a TFO East stocks. There's a Reddington predator. And uh, I mean, beyond that, like there wasn't a whole lot of like musky specific rods. And even those rods weren't really like musky rods. Like they were, you know, Sage had like a musky rod or whatever, but like I said, they were all super brittle, super fast salt blanks that sucked at casting a 14 inch Buford that was soaking wet, you know? So I, um, I went to school for industrial design. So I had a lot of like R and D like prototyping. I like, I love doing the product development thing. Like it's, I've done it for companies. I was an engineer for almost 10 years. Um, eight years of it was contract work. So I worked with a lot of different companies doing engineer drawings, developing, you know, drawings and products for people. So I had that background and I basically was just like, A, I didn't like any of the rods that I fished. Um, I bought, you know, I bought both of the rods that I, you know, knew were out there for muskie and didn't like either one of them. And I was like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a better wheel out there, you know? Um, and there really wasn't. So the first rod I tried to develop was the 11 weight that I have now, the river wolf. Um, and I spent a long time, like just testing different blanks. Um, and, uh, ordering them, ordering them out of catalogs and, um, overseas, you know, you, there's just mandrel, you can just pick the mandrels and figure out which ones you want, you know, and just order the blanks and build a rod, cast it. Nope. This sucks. Build another rod, cast it, change the guide shape and change the guide spacing, figure out how to get the, you know, the flex and stuff. Right. Um, and I finally landed with the seven rods that I offer now came out of that, uh, you know, three years of R and D work to try to get exactly what I wanted. Um, and that's kind of how it all came about, man. I just, I just, I've always been one of those people that I'm, I'm really particular about things. Like I want, I like what I like and I didn't like anything that I could buy. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make something, you know? And then I, I got to that point. And so the whole, the whole way my, the rod company name came about was, um, at the time time my, my she's now my wife but at that point she was she was my uh you know my girlfriend uh and she would always tell her sisters um that you know I lived in this uh I lived in this pole barn it was like a 24 by 48 pole barn on 100 acres uh and it was like a mile long driveway there's no cell service I lived you know I had a wood stove for heat so it was like when she'd come to visit me, she's like, Hey, I'm going to visit Dave. You know, if, if I don't come back, you know, that's where I went, you know, joking with her sisters. <laughs> and they all, they all called me Wolf, Dave Wolf because my Instagram handle was David W Huff. And they just thought my last name was W H U F F. So they called me <laughs> Wolf. So they're like, well, if the Wolf gets you, we'll come get, we'll come find you, you know? <laughs> so like, <laughs> it kind of ended up being like a joke, but I was like, you know what? Like, I think I'm going to try the, uh, fly rod thing. I, I think I want to make a go of it. And, um, I really love it. And I think this fly rod I built is pretty sick. So I called it the Wolf Rod Co and it kind of just stuck. And then we started, you know, calling it all the guys buying the rods and called them the Wolf Pack. And it kind of just, yeah, kind of just caught a little bit of fire. So. Oh, that's super cool because, um, you know, you, you, you couldn't find what you wanted out there. And then you decided like, okay, I'm going to make what I want instead. And I think, uh, uh, especially in the fly world, that happens a lot because, you know, either something doesn't have the right action for the style or the weight of the flies that you want, or there's like, there's kind of like, it, it's good enough. Right. Uh, but for some people good enough is not good enough. And what you were coming up against was number one, the rods that you were mentioning are very expensive. Uh, they're, yeah. they're extremely expensive, which puts a huge barrier to anybody that wants to get into, um, uh, ESOC's fly fishing. Uh, yeah. and, and the other thing is, is that it's such a limited selection. It's not like 
you can get something that's that, that'll throw like an eight weight, but really, you know, has the power of an 11 or a 12 weight. But when you build your own, you can you can build it like that. You could put a fast action on it. You could put a, you know, a heavy power set or, you know, whatever you want on that. And you can customize that. They'll like come up with a highly powerful, but highly sensitive rod. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I did. I just, I went through a bunch of different blanks. And like I said, I, I just started tweaking stuff, man, like figuring out like how the spacing of the guides needed to be and like double foot versus single foot, like all that stuff on a four piece rod, all of it changes the way the rod reacts when you're casting a big, heavy fly. Mm -hmm. So I just, yeah, I went through the motions and started out and I, I didn't really even know what I wanted. It was one of those things where I was like, I just know what I don't want. And it's the things that I can buy. Like, I wish that I could just be happy with those, but I wasn't. So I'm just one of those people that once it gets in my head that I don't like it, I'm not going to like it. So there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's only one other option and it was to try to figure out what I did like. So um you know and, and everyone has a different style there's there's guys that pick up my rod and they're like oh man this thing casts amazing and there's other guys that wish it was a little stiffer you know but i i wanted it to be something that was attainable to anybody and i wanted it to be um i wanted my products to be something where if a, a guy was working his ass off for three months and had a four-day fishing trip with his buddies that he could cast one of my rods all four days and not wear himself out. You know, that's kind of the whole, I work hard and I fish hard, you know? So mm -hmm. when, if I got three days to fish, I'm going to be casting a rod from sun up to sundown and probably into the dark, you know? So it's kind of how it is. Absolutely. And you know, the, the, the fact that you put thought into, uh, the, the average angler, you're not, you're not going out to build this for guys that, you know, their, their mortgage is paid by fishing their, uh, truck payment, boat payments paid by fishing. You're making these rods for people that work jobs and, and they don't have, uh, you know, that prestige or the time, or, you know, it's just not something they, they don't want to make a career out of something that they love. Um, you're making a rod that accommodates them that that's a that's a pretty significant thought process in that the, that you would think about that over like oh well i want to go for like the most prestigious you know design of rod that only the pros would you know really have a true appreciation of and so the you know these feeble little peasants down here they they have no idea what they're holding in their hand you you made a working class rod yeah dude i mean straight up that's i mean that's what i wanted to do and I mean, honestly, at that, at that point, like the 2016, 2017 timeline was like, that's when Muskie on the Fly was like blowing up. Like it was getting big. And like, there were so many people that were like getting into it that like, they just didn't, they didn't know what they were getting into, dude. They couldn't handle some of the, the super stiff rods that were out there. Like the casting styles way different and, um, oh, I was just trying yeah, to, yeah, yeah, you know, so you got a newbie that's only been fly fishing for like a year and he's like, oh, I want to try musky on the fly. Like, yeah, good luck, dude. Like some of those rods will like blow your shoulder out if you don't know how to cast a, you know, big ass double shank freaking triple hook, whatever there's tying these days, you know, like, like you're, you're not throwing a Boeing 747 like all day long if you've only been yeah. fly fishing for a year and you grab a g loomis imx pro like your your shoulder's gonna be on fire so great it's a great rod but it's not a good beginner rod, in my opinion at, at that time like the newer stuff's way better than the old g loomis ones but um i just remember picking one of those up in the early days and like i was like this thing's like a broomstick so dude that's what my 10 weight's like my 10 weight i use for gar yeah. straight yeah. fucking pool cue but oh yeah but i fish floaters mm -hmm. so when i'm throwing a 12 inch fly on a floater i have to have something super stiff because i have to i really have to shoot it oh like, yeah as far as, as far as i can and i know that might sound like you're not talking uh, about water loading are you no i don't water load okay just check it just check 
Hey, hey, I mean, there's nothing against it. All right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, for a while, though, there's a two, there's still, there's still a two handed craze where dudes are water loaded. <laughs> I was yeah. just, I was just throwing out a few buzzwords, but I don't mind either way. I think it's funny. Uh, but when I teach dudes or when I take them fly fishing for gar, especially dudes that like only fly fish for trout or panfish or haven't fly fished in like, 10 years since they were in the fucking boy scouts you know yeah it's like uh strip out some line and they're like what do you mean strip out pull out some line from your reel yeah <laughs> wiggle your rod tip kind of flip it over till it gets out in front of you pull it off the water and throw it back out <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, the the gar targeting gar is pretty fun i've watched uh it's it's an interesting uh it's an interesting dynamic because they're so hard to hook that like i mean unless you're just using like freaking rope fly or something like yeah <laughs> you know like but even then sometimes like it's got to be like some of those bigger fish dude their teeth are just i don't know man the one i watched a guy that was with me and we it was a super hot day, and I was like, man, I know this. Let's just jet up the river. There's this, like, oxbow in this river that's, like, it's like paradise for gar fishing. Like, you just roll in there, and there's gar everywhere, just on top of the water, just sitting there, you know, and you just can cast at them. And he's, like, a really, really good, like, fly fishing guy, dude. He travels all over. He, he goes to Belize. He goes to Arkansas, like, on trips and stuff with people. And he was hitting his marks, dude. He was putting them right where he wanted them, and he could not get the freaking – he just could not set the hook on those guys. And he was getting so frustrated. I'm like, like, dude, welcome welcome to gar fishing. It, you, they'll eat – they'll practically eat every time if you can get them to see the fly, but getting them to sticks, not the, it's not the same. So You have to use it's, really – awesome. You have to use really, really thin wire hooks yeah like if you want an actual chance of like um a short nose a spot or a long nose yeah you have to use really thin wire gauge hooks i use rope flies dude i use super spark i'm not i i fucking fish mop flies too i don't give a fuck dude like i'm i'm here to catch the fish but in a sustainable way you know like yeah i don't there's a i mean fishing is kind of a blood sport but there's a little more inherent risk when you throw a rope fly to yeah to a fish like you don't have the right leaders or you have bad knots you're gonna kill that fish yeah that's uh you know rope flies are definitely the best way to go um in my opinion but you gotta really leader up and yeah dude like luckily so far I've, I've never had one break off and have a rope in its mouth but like it just terrifies me to have it happen you know so what you gotta over prepare like that's one thing i always tell people like i'm not gonna say don't use rope flies because i use them but I'm also super prepared, making sure to cut everything out and get it, get that fish back in the water healthy. Like that's the only thing I tell people, like if you're going to do it, make sure it's no different than musky fishing, have the right tools, you know, like, yeah, like don't go out with a mop fly. If you don't have a glove and all the other shit you're going to need to get all that shit out of their teeth. Cause you, you're going to need to do all that. Like, mm -hmm. You, I mean, you, sorry, my cats are like fucking doing the Daytona 500 in here right now, yeah. but uh, uh, maybe they'll learn how to turn right here in a couple minutes, but um, no, man, I mean, that's it, especially with guard, dude, like, you gotta, you gotta get all those fibers out, you gotta leave that fish exactly like you caught it with a rope fly, like, yeah. it's one of those whole, you know, like, leave no trace things. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with musky, dude. Like, you got to have your jaw spreader. Like, you got to have big nets. But you you have to have the right stuff. You've got to have, you know, like, the right plier skill to uh, cut hooks and shit if you have to. Like, big fish, old fish, especially, you know, man, like, we all just want to – we want to – everyone wants to catch the big fish, but – we we got to take care of them and fuck man you know that like you, you say the same shit man like we got to take care of them yep it's a resource we got to protect man 
for sure. Absolutely. Some of those little bastards, they'll freaking swallow a fly. I don't even know how they get it in their mouth. And those are the ones that suck because they go absolutely bananas. Like catching a 30-inch muskie that has inhaled a fly is like – I'd rather catch – I mean, obviously, anyone would rather catch a 48-inch muskie. But when, you, when it comes to handling them, those little 30-inchers get you every time. Yeah, there's something to be said about uh, when the fish, you know, uh, swallows and inhales, and especially with predator species, that's like, the, you know, they'll come in for that side strike, boom, knock it out, and then come back and inhale. So you get the first hit, and then they come back around, and they're like on it. And when they inhale, number one, when a predator fish inhales, you have teeth to deal with and a very strong jaw. And then, you know, you, if you're not keeping the fish, you don't want to kill the fish. It's wasteful. So you want to do everything you can to get that, that hook and fly out of it. And, and the thing that, you know, you'll, you'll always hear these armchair quarterbacks that yell about like, oh, that person's handling that fish too long, blah, blah, blah. Go ahead and catch a big fish and have it swallow something. And, you know, especially a fly. Yeah. It's one of those things with stainless steel hooks and stainless steel, uh, you know, wire and everything else it's not going to rust out you can't just simply cut it it's the the fish will die because it's it's food passage and so you're basically doing a a bank site operation on a fish and yeah the smaller those predator fish are the the worse it is i mean even even fish uh you know small like sturgeon i have sturgeon where i'm at uh if they end up gagging uh it's it's quite the operation they are a tougher fish but because they have a suction mouth uh, you're pulling out their mouth and you're trying to go back into its mouth where it inhaled not only Dacron, but like a six to seven knot hook. And it, luckily they're barbless hooks, but you're trying like not if it, if it sucked it back to get close enough to its gills, you're absolutely trying not to do anything. But even even with the, that, you know, it, it's really difficult. So you get a small sturgeon with sharp scoots, that thing's flailing everywhere. You know, somebody's going to get laid open. You get an oversized sturgeon, and then you have a wrestling match with, you know, a 200-plus-pound fish, and you're not allowed to take them out of the water, so you're still in its zone. I mean, there's ways to do it, but, yeah, you, you, got, you got one hell of a fight on your hands. Brian, I bet you could wrestle a sturgeon. i've i've got them into a boat i've i've seen one actually dent the housing on an outboard motor with its tail so they get they get yeah they get a little squirrely and that was one that was a keepable sizes back in the day it's like a you know 48 uh, or maybe no it was bigger than that it was like a it was like a 57 inch sturgeon that's when you could keep up to a 60 inch sturgeon the guy hauled it in the boat and he's like beat that thing of course the skull's hard and so uh, you're, you're trying to knock it out with the club and, and that thing just one whack and it dented that mercury It's just like, boom, it's like somebody slamming their head in the side of a car door that, that fish was not given up, but it, it was, it was a wrestling match <laughs> in the boat out in the Columbia river. <laughs> <laughs> Dave. So I've, I've seen some of your stuff. I know you offer like a Euro rod and, but, um, what, what all, what all do you offer? Like, yeah, so I uh 10, 10 foot three weight the high stick that's a euro rod um it's uh it's it's great for a beginner option you know um price points good 174 bucks so um it's a great entry level rod and honestly I picked the blank that I chose because uh I opted not to go with a down locking reel seat on it because um you know somebody that's just beginning or newer to it that's going to, you know, buy a less expensive rod. Um, I wanted it to be castable and it's, it's, it casts great. You, it, you can actually cast it. Well, um, it's not like a full on hundred percent Euro rod where you just high stick or nothing kind of thing. Um, and it's really fun to catch uh, fish on. I mean, we've, I've got some guys uh, up in Pennsylvania um, that use it a lot. And I mean, they've got some big brown trout on it. So, um and then obviously nine foot five weight um the roll caster that's like the staple of any fly rod company right so um and then i have a seven seven weight streamer stick um really really um great all-around rod um i get a ton of compliments on it like just because 
I think a lot of guys buy it. It's 179 bucks. Um, so they're, you know, they're not expecting a lot. And then when they get out there, like, you know, get a message like, damn, that rod's really sweet. You know, I think I'm going to get another one for the boat or whatever. Um, so that's always great to get those kind of, that kind of feedback. Um, one of my personal favorites is the eight foot eight weight. Uh, that's a, the power glass. That's a glass rod. Um, that thing's sweet. It, it, the, I named it the power glass because uh, it literally, it's got so much punch to it. When the cicada, the cicada hatch happened, I had guys like using 10 weight, 10, 10 weight floating line on it um, for, uh, for, for like huge carp and stuff, you know, but like, it's just a really, really fun rod to cast and to catch fish with. Um, I'll probably never do it like anything bigger than an eight. Cause I just think anything bigger than an eight weight glass is just so big and bulky. It's just not fun for me personally. Um, and I don't ever want to just sell something just to fill a void. I want it to be, I want it to be cause I like it and it's, you know, I'll put, you useful. know, I just, yeah, useful. I, I don't want to just flood the market with extra shit that, you know, cause I think someone might buy it. I want to actually like it myself. So. Uh, and then we have a nine, nine foot, nine weight, the strip set that's, uh, kind of geared for striper and pike. Um, it's, it's a, it's a good, uh, intermediate, um, you know, even some smaller musky, you know, smaller Creek stuff. Um, and then uh, the 11 weight river wolf and the 12 weight double haul, um, are the two, the, the two other predator, predator rods. So the nine foot, the 11 weight or the the nine nine weight 11 and 12 all come with spare tips just because i know how predator guys are we're just hard on shit so um and i think in the future i may um i may actually do an extra tip for um for the other ones too because um i've had so many people like man i'm so glad you had that tip in there i smashed it in the truck you know on the way to, to a trip and the extra tip saved my trip so uh yeah that's uh I don't know. It was just something I thought that would be good. Just once again, it all kind of circles back to that, um, you know, working your ass off and getting three days to fish. Like, dude, how shitty would it be if you drove to Wisconsin, broke the tip off your rod and couldn't fish? You know, it's like, yeah. So, like, oh, hey, surprise, there's another one in the tube. Like, I <laughs> yeah. had a guy do that. Like, he, um, he had, he was on a trip. He was in like Minnesota. And he like called my cell phone because my, my cell phone's the number on our website. So like he calls, he's like, man, is there any way that you can forward or, you know, overnight me a tip, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. Like where, like what rod do you have? Where are you at? You know? And, I, and I'm like, well, there's an extra one in the tube, isn't there? And he was like, there is like, he didn't even know it was in there. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're good. Like, like, I was like, here, like, here's the thing. Like, I'll send you some more tips just so you have spares in case you break that one. But you got one in there. And he he looked and he verified. I was like, just make sure it's in there, you know. And uh, he looked, verified. He's like, hell yeah, you know. So I'm like, sweet. That's exactly why. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It, oh, go ahead, Brian. Well, it's that's a really cool thing to do because uh, that seems to be the most vulnerable part of a fly rod. I don't know how many tips of rods I've smashed, and it's been on cheap rods and expensive rods. It just doesn't matter. It's like the damn tip breaks on every rod, and it's like, come yeah. on, you know. And and so that's really nice that you just throw that in there. It's like, hey, you know what? If you don't need it, great. If you need it, great. It's like security and insurance. Yeah, yeah, man. It's uh, I think it's cool. I mean, um, like I said, I'm, I'm planning on in the future, I want to do it with all the rods just to make it a little bit more, uh, good for the guys with the smaller, you know, weight rods, um, shouldn't be just for the predator size stuff. So, but it's super good for like those bigger rods because with, oh, yeah. with David's full sink lines, and, sorry, my chair is all squeaky as shit. Um, like, full sink and even sink tips dude that that wears out guides so fucking quick dude yeah i mean i use time enema guides um i know there's a huge there's a huge push right now for ceramic everything 
um, cause they just don't wear out. Um, my tie minima guides don't wear like, um, a steel guide do. Um, I've had a couple, um, I've had a couple double hauls come back Two double hauls came back with, uh, really bad grooving in the, in the guides. Um, and, um, dude, I, I racked my brain. I was like, man, I've got hundreds and hundreds of these out here. And these are the only two that have done this. And I was, um, you know, through the process of elimination, both of the guys were, uh, kayak fishermen and they, um, both fished in and out of the kayak a lot. So the only thing I could kind of formulate was that they were picking up a lot of gritty dirt out of their kayak when they're fishing and just not keeping their lines clean. And it was just adding to the wear or something. I don't know. Maybe it was a sit sitting sitting down style of casting that was doing it or what i could i don't know i can't put my exact like finger on it but the only two that came back were both kayak guys that were in and out of their kayaks a lot um and you know it's just a dirtier way of fishing it's there's just no doubt about it so um but yeah other than that i mean the the river wolves i haven't had any of those come back with any where um some of them are probably i mean they've been out in their market for almost three years so um that's pretty damn good yeah yeah i mean i the ceramic guides are awesome you can't really it's hard to find them and uh uh the thing that the thing i really i've considered doing the tips because the tips are you know the most vulnerable obviously um yes but the thing, the thing about the tips that i don't I haven't really liked is that those ceramic guides, if you pull your knot or anything through there or an ice ball, like you run the risk of popping that ceramic insert out. Like it's not, you know, it's, it's not in there like forever. Like those ceramic inserts pop out too. And then your line is literally subjected to a razor blade almost. Uh, and it's for sure shredding it if you don't notice it right away um yes so i think i think there's i think there's pros and cons to either one you know um i i personally went with um i i just went with what i thought was going to be the best overall um for for you know a well-rounded product um my uh my strip set does use the um the Fuji uh, ceramic guides, um, that, but they're not inserts. They're like laminated into the guide. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, warranties of most of the warranties are, uh, I stuck it in a ceiling fan, which I always heard. I always heard stories about that, but I thought it was like a joke, but no, that's real. Like, after being a fly rod company owner, I'm like, holy shit, people actually do smash their <laughs> fly rods with ceiling fans. So, yeah. but uh, my uh, wife, my wife's like, are we really going to warranty this? I'm like, I'm like, yes. I mean, he's going to pay the replacement. You know, I'm like, it's, it's, it's what happens, I guess, you know, dude was stoked to go fishing, I guess. And just <laughs> got in a hurry. I <laughs> grabbed the rod but, and shoved it right up in the ceiling fan. You know, I, I don't know like what all of the like wildest damage stories are out there, but it sounds like ceiling fans one. What's the worst rod damage uh, story that you have? Um, that's a pretty, those are pretty basic. I had one guy, um, he was uh, trying to get his uh, two pieces apart and he was doing the behind the leg trick oh. to get him unstuck and smash one through his wall. And broke the spot. So, I like I don't know if he like just didn't think that it was gonna work, so he's in a confined space or what. But like I'm just imagining my like Hulk smashing a like five weight tip through like a whole hotel wall or something. But uh, that was pretty funny. Oh man, just the, just the things that people do. I I you know I I I see rods fly off trucks like. Um, yeah, you, you're familiar with those, like, um, uh, they, they go on the front of the hood and they go up on the cab. Oh yeah. 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 The, that, that, and I've seen people where they're like, they're flying like a bat out of hell down a gravel road. And here goes like this 
rod and it just goes twirling off and it does like this whole spinning hit and it hits the road and it kind of pops into eight pieces and you're like well that was that was originally a four-piece rod now it's an eight-piece rod yeah. and you just know that they're upset because it's probably a really expensive rod if they if they've went the whole route to get the the rod holder on the hood and everything else it's just kind of it's kind of funny though you know uh just seeing some of the stuff that happens i i have a friend they were in a jet boat uh well it's like a it's called a power drifter and they yeah. were flying up river and and they went sideways into a rock and all their rods went and just splattered all over the the gravel bar and shattered they broke well i i not all of them but they broke like five rods uh and the boat was completely fine completely pristine nice shiny everything else uh but the rods were like all over the bank in pieces huh. yeah those those are the guys that probably call it like yeah it, i mean dude i just it broke i was i strip set it and it just broke you know yeah. like <laughs> it's all oh, good it's man. part of fun. breaking rods is just part of it yeah so, yeah that's it uh <laughs> i broke three now yeah i broke two couple couple two three i mean it, it just happens um where where do the majority of your rods end up like where where's your largest market at oh man i got a ton of guys in pennsylvania pennsylvania and uh canada like Ooh. yeah i've got such a good following uh in the like esox like muskie side of stuff like i mean obviously svs was a huge help um and then i've got a i've got a good amount out in like utah for some reason there's a bunch of dudes out there carp fishing guys and um pike guys that really like the the eight the eight weight glass and the nine weight rod um and then the rest of them are just kind of spread out. Um, it's uh, it's been a little bit slow um, lately because I have honestly just haven't been marketing super heavy because inventory has been so crazy. Um, the River Wolf's been out of stock for a long time, and I know guys are wanting it. Like I get freaking calls and messages and emails all the time. When's it going to be back in stock? And I mean, I it, the truth of the matter is like. I engineer all my rods and spec them out and I get them made overseas and the, the market overseas is just crazy right now. Um, I could have rods in a month if I wanted to have them, but I'd have to go with suppliers that I had no clue who they were, where the product, where the, you know, where the materials were coming from. It's all like tier three, tier two stuff. It's not top level product. Um, so I've opted to wait for the supplier that I know that's made all my other stuff to get the product and the materials that I know are good. And unfortunately it's just taken longer, but um, I got a huge order coming. Um, it should, it's gonna be another four, four months before I get it, but um, I'm just not willing to sacrifice quality and gamble on it. You know, I'm not a huge company um and i got my name literally as part of the company so uh i just don't want to sell it just because i can get it you know i want it to be exactly what i need it to be and i want it to be um the same quality that i've sold up to this date um and i'm my name's riding on it so i'm gonna let it i'm gonna let it ride a couple more months and uh when the stuff comes in hopefully people still want it so yeah well, I'm sure they will, dude. So, what, yeah. what is your war- what does your warranty look like? So, the warranty is uh, it's a one year, no questions asked um, warranty. Um, beyond a year, uh, it's a replacement cost. So, it's um, forty five dollars for the seven weight and under, and it's a sixty five dollar replacement cost for the um, nine, eleven, and twelve weight stuff. Um, so and, is that like per section? So let's say I, you know, theoretically hook a stop sign on my back cast and, and uh, never done this and just completely blow up my rod <clears throat> on my forward stroke. Um, I blow up two sections. So is that, does that mean $130 for two new sections or is that 65 for the whole rod? 65 bucks. You're getting a brand new rod in a new case. No shit. Yep. Yep. I, uh, it, it kind of goes back to the small rod, uh, company thing. Um, 
I don't want to have a bunch of random ass parts sitting around. Um, and also, uh, it's really, really hard to match blanks. Like, even though it's a 12 weight, like it's not, they're not all the same. They're just not. No. Um, and it's way easier to just, I don't want to send somebody a headache, you know, um, two pieces that look like they fit, but never really quite fit like the old ones. So I keep the, I keep them all together. Um, I keep the, all the parts, um, mated for life, like a freaking duck, you know, like it's going, <laughs> going you're keeping it together, you know? So, um, I just, uh, usually I, uh, send a return label, um, in the box with the new product and ask the customer to return the old stuff just so I can inspect it and look at it, see if I can figure out if it was a catastrophic damage, uh, from quality. I want to see what, it, what happened. Um, and if not, like I just, I got a whole box of broken rods. I'll probably do something funny with them one day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> make a big collage of all the broken rods and everything else and maybe put a little bit of a story next to how they all broke like this one hung up on a stop sign this one flew off a truck at 40 miles an hour this one you know got put through a wall all that kind of stuff yeah that's that you, you'll just combine them all and that's how you get the 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 double uh, the double strip wolf yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so what has been, I guess, circle back a little bit on fishing, a little bit more about you. What has been like one of your most memorable catches? Shoot, man, that's tough. Um, honestly, um, I've had a couple, but I'd say one of my most mem memorable catches was uh, – me and uh, four of my buddies were we were down in Tennessee floating. Um, it was one of my buddy, a uh, friend of mine's uh, birthday weekend. Uh, we did a three day float um, with friends, and uh, it was like bottom of the ninth, and like the other boat had caught like two or three fish, and we were like we were just behind, and you know like it's a it's the end of the float. We're like one, one hole away from having to stop and get out. And it's like, damn, dude, we fished three days and haven't caught a fish. And, uh, I got, I got up, I put a different fly on and I was like, I called my shot. I was like, this fly is, I'm, I'm casting over to that log and I'm going to catch this fish on the second strip. And like, <laughs> no shit, this freaking like 34 inch fish, like, which, was the biggest 34 inch fish I could ever have imagined at that point. In my <laughs> I freaking, I casted it beautiful cast. I strip it two times and this fish just comes out of nowhere and just sideswipes it and then inhales it. And my buddy, my buddy Moskin's like, you gotta be shitting me. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, I mean, I think that one was pretty cool just cause like I called it and I was like, man, I need this fish. And like, they usually don't respond when you talk to them like that, but. <laughs> well if you ever hear back from a fish let me know i have a lot of questions yeah it's <laughs> usually a big middle finger yeah that's usually what it is yeah oh man uh i i you know you don't you don't have salmon uh where you're at i at least i don't think there is but uh uh when they jump that's like them flipping you off because you know they're yep. there yeah we don't have those down here we got to go like like four hours to get to salmon yeah you can get, you can get it you can get some salmon at the piggly wiggly yeah that's about it though <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's when they're jumping and they're all piled in a hole and you're and you're running everything through them and you're like i know this works i know this works and then it, they're just jumping yeah they're just giving you the finger man yeah trying to get past you they don't yeah, they don't exactly. do with you yeah yeah oh man <laughs> well I'm looking at the time we're, we're coming up close to our hour here. Um, yeah. uh, man, uh, so much to your company and, and so much information too. And it, it's really cool that you've come up with, with the rods that have such a good price point, you know, where they're available for anybody. I mean, to think of a Euro rod for $179, I mean, that's, that's a very reasonable price. And, 
uh, just looking at the rods you have, you have awesome, you know, beautiful colors, beautiful handles, everything else. Uh, you know, um, what was the main, when, when you started pricing these rods, because I think a lot of people, they look at the price and they're like, Oh God, you know, that's so expensive. But when, when you start pricing these rods, what was your, what was your main objective behind that? Um, I think the biggest thing was I had, I was uh, super active in my local fly fishing club and we were getting at that point, we were getting like eight to 10 new members every month coming to the meetings. Um, and what was happening was they were super pumped on fly fishing. They loved the, they loved learning how to fly fish and love how to cast and, you know, tying flies. They'd go to the local fly shop and they'd come out of it with like, you know, thinking that they'd be like, Oh my gosh, it's going to cost me $1,200 by the time I buy waders and, you know, boots and this mm -hmm. fly rod and reel and lines are a hundred dollars. Like, you know, so it's like, it's like, that was one of the motivators for me to like, man, I really got to get a solid rod out there that cast awesome and performs and isn't going to break the bank for people. So that's kind of, that's kind of what it, where it came from. And I mean, luckily, um, you know, the whole pro thing is funny to me. Um, I get messages about, you, do you have pro deals and do you all, you know, sponsor, you know, guides and this and that. And I just basically say, you know what, man, like my pro, my, my pro deal team is, is the Wolfpack. Like by rod, become a member of the Wolfpack. If I, if I give you a rod, or give you 50% off of a rod because you're a guide, then I just have to mark my prices up to cover that. And if we're a small company and uh, I just don't, I don't have the avail availability to do it. You know, I guess I could, but I don't want to like, you know, like maybe, maybe down the road we could look at it, but for now I want to keep my prices to where they are. And to be honest, like if I'm going to, and if I'm going to have to cover some extra costs, um, I'd rather give four or five rods away to a, a fishing tournament and get my name out there and do it for a good cause versus, you know, giving somebody a discount code and then they buy one and buy one for all their friends. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of, I don't have anything against it. I just, I want to try to keep my prices where I can. And that's one way for us to try to, honor that as well as we can no that's dude, cool I, yeah absolutely man i get that dude i used to make soft plastics like i was hard up for it dude yeah and constantly 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 everyone's like hey you want to sponsor me you want to sponsor me it's like dude i can't afford to do that like yeah. i would i would love to sponsor you but i cannot afford to do that <laughs> yeah it's just not feasible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I, I, some people don't like it, but you know, for me, like I was raised to earn everything I've got. And like, I'm pretty sure if a guide hit me up and was like, dude, can I get a couple, you know, rods for free? I, I, I fish 300 days a year. If I was like, yeah, man, sell like five rods for me and I'll give you the sixth one for free. They'd be like, nah, no thanks. You know? Like, like they want it up front, you know, and then by that time, you know, three months down the road, they're posting about TFO because TFO has a new rod out or whatever. So it's just, it's better for me to just not muddy the waters with it mm -hmm. and, um, you know, stay neutral in the whole thing. I mean, like I, what the last time I went to Wisconsin, um, you know, I hung out with the guys from Muskie Fool. I stayed at Tommy's house from Chippewa Rod like we're great like we're good friends like we're not great friends but like like if he called me tomorrow i'd i'd help him do whatever you know it's so like we're in the same world and he has a great product i have a great product and i i just want to be able to do that neutrally for everybody you know so um i just think the instagram world and the you know the pro deal things just it's just not for me so understandably dude yep and instagram like instagram and social media has made is, is blurred that line like that's so many people forget that pro doesn't mean professional and most of this it means promotional 
Yeah. yeah. And it's like you're you're literally just advertising. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, no. That it, it means people follow you. It doesn't mean you're worth a fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <there> <laughs> yeah, but, I think. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh I want to respect your time, you know. I this has been fun, dude. Like it's it's been really nice to sit down and learn more about how Wolf Rodco came about and more about you, dude. And we'll we'll have to have you on again, man, and just talk some more, dude. Awesome, dude. I appreciate it. Um, I do want to say uh I got some new rods coming out when my other stuff shows up. Um, I've got a coming out that's gonna have an extended fighting butt. Um it's called the fish whistle. Um, and then yeah. <laughs> I'll have some, uh, I'll have some other colorways and the river wolf and the du double hall. Um, Cause I know there's some dudes out there that aren't super pumped on the bright orange wraps and they, they kind of want to keep a lower key. Um, I'm going to have some uh, other colorways. The, the river wolf's uh, going to be like an army green with black wraps and uh, gold lettering. Um, and I haven't landed exactly on the coloring yet. Um, for the double haul um but it'll be something a little more subtle but still kind of badass you know uh, it's not going to be black on black or you know anything you know that someone else has already done I'm, I'll, I'll try to keep it keep it a little special that's one of the things we try to do is i want it was cool when we did the uh, fish and the beast of the east tournament um all those dudes had like like there's so many boats up there with my rods, like in their rod holders, like you can immediately see the like fluorescent orange wraps, you know? So it was, it was mm -hmm. cool to see all flooding the river for that tournament. So I will shit before we, how was the beast this year? I, I heard it was, it was fun, but the fishing was fucking tough, dude. Dude, the beast is a grind. Woo. It's a grind. I mean, it's, it's musky fishing. It's just, yeah. this year, uh, this year was, I think they're getting better. I mean, more fish were caught this year, but they were all caught like at the same, like within a couple hours of each other. Um, what they, they did something different this year too. They did uh, the day before the tournament, they, the, the Corps of Engineers uh, bumped the water up and then left it bumped up for the entire tournament. So we didn't have to worry about the flows, but like, what really needed to happen is probably they needed to bump the water up like two days before the flows or before the tournament. So like the fish could like chill out a little bit. Like a week they, maybe. <laughs> yeah. They freaking dude, they freaking bumped that dam and all the fish that were people were moving the day before, like we're fucked. Like what's happening. We're going back to our spots, you know, like, and then like the, like the last like half day of the tournament, the fish started turning on and eating again. So I think if they did it again and they wanted to do that with the Corps of Engineers, which is badass that the Corps is willing to do that so we have safe water to run those rivers because yeah. the Allegheny is, like, pretty sketchy to run if it's low. Um, there's a lot of boulders and stuff. So I think if they just bump it up a few days before to let those fish chill out a little bit more, um, it'd be a little bit better productivity. But, I mean, all in all, it's, dude, that it's run by a great group of guys and, for a great cause, um, you know, Muskies Inc., um, they stock a lot of fish from that tournament, so it's all good. Yeah, dude, I'm uh, Cap City's Muskies Inc. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah, dude, but um, so you got a new rod coming out. Is there anything else uh, you want to talk about? Like, where, where can everybody find you at, man? Wolfrodco.com. Um, or Instagram at uh, Wolf Rodco. Um, also have uh, Facebook. It's all kind of linked together, obviously these days. Um, but um, yeah, dude. Uh, if you you try to reach out um, about a rod or anything, you're gonna either get a hold of me or you're gonna get a hold of my wife. Um, if it's a phone call, you're getting a hold of me every time. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'll I'll talk I'll talk fly fishing for a half hour. Like I'll stop my machine in the middle of the day and talk about fly fishing. So I love calls. Like sometimes it's not productive if I'm in a hurry, but I'll still take the call. And if someone's like, Hey, is this Dave from Rodco? Wolf Rodco? Like, yep. You know, and answer your question. So um, definitely hit me up. Um, 
Yeah, dude. Um, I definitely want to, I want to send you guys some rods. I think you, I think you'd really enjoy the seven weight and that eight weight glass. So, um, shoot me, uh, shoot me a way to get you guys some of those so you can test them out and just see what you think. Cause, uh, I think they'd suit your all's fishing style for sure. Well, dude, you really don't have to, but I mean, if you're, if you're just hell bent on it, I'll, I'll, I'll happily test out a rod. Yeah, man, for sure. I, uh, I definitely, uh, I like to get them in fishy dude's hands. So, um, and uh, uh, that's not these hands. <laughs> yeah, not mine either. <laughs> yeah, but it's dude, all good. For real. Well, I, appreciate, I appreciate y'all having, uh, having me on. And uh, yeah, I look forward to chatting more. And uh, uh, next time I'm down in the, the area, we'll have, to, we'll have to link up and fish. Yeah, dude, for real. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming on, taking the time with us. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Awesome. John, you want to run through those sponsors again? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. Go check out Dave Huff at Wolf Rod Co. on Instagram, Facebook, all those places. Check out hashtag Wolf Pack. You can find out all the catches, what everybody's doing with all his rods. Uh, this episode of Working Class Fishing was brought to you by CD Fishing USA. Angry Rooster Fly Company, 317 Flies, Sheer Cure and Naughty Tackle, Lid Rig, and Anadromous Fly Company. Go check them out. They've got codes for you. They've got a really a lot of really affordable products. They're small businesses, and uh, it would mean a lot to us if you'd go support them and show them some love, even if, it, even if it's just following them on Instagram and saying, hey, we heard about you from the podcast. That means a lot. And everybody, all the reviews that we've been getting on the podcast, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And I, I want to reiterate this real quick because I, was, I went on a live stream last night on Instagram. If you do want to come on the podcast and you message us and we don't get back to you, don't be like, well, I talked to them, but they didn't get back to me. That's your own damn fault. If you didn't get a hold, if we didn't respond, we probably missed it. We got a lot of people talk to it. So please reach out to us again and don't, don't, you know, put us out there in a negative light on a live stream because we're busy. Wow. We, we work full-time jobs, you know, like that we do this for fun, but we do want you to come on the podcast. So if we don't get back to you, reach out again and we will get back to you. All right. So don't, don't, uh, don't get your, your undies in a wad over that, but um just everybody thanks so much for listening thanks for all the support all the reviews it means a lot it really does um go check out our website we've got blogs up from willie gray and all those cool folks and uh brian you got anything dude no that's it just make sure uh you reach out reach out to us uh through our email uh workingclassfish at gmail.com and you can also find us on instagram facebook and at our website, workingclassfishing.com, you can find all of our cool stuff over there. So with all of that being said, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day.